95, the first six verses, the psalmist is lifting up the name of the Lord. And let me read those six verses. You can follow along on the screen. Here's what the psalmist writes. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. That's what we've been doing this morning. For the Lord is great, the great God above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Let's, let's pray this morning. Lord, uh, we uh, thank you for a beautiful day today. Thank you for the sunshine. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, bringing us through a rather difficult, challenging week for uh, weather-wise. Lord, we remember that you are in control of everything. You are in control of the weather. And uh, so uh, thank you for sunshine today and, uh, Lord, even the snow and the ice that we experienced that uh, made us realize how dependent we are on you and each other to help each other out. Lord, we uh, thank you for the privilege to worship you this morning. And, Lord, we uh, lift up the name of Jesus today. Lord, thank you that we can pray for one another in our church family Lord, we pray for many that are traveling today in various places around the United States. Lord, bless them, protect them, bring them back to us safely. Lord, we pray your blessing now as we look into your word, open up our hearts to your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been looking at the minor prophets and some books of the Bible that we don't often traffic in. We've looked at Habakkuk, and we've looked at the book of Haggai, and we're going to take a little pause from the Minor Prophets, and uh, not that we won't jump back into them at some point in time. But I thought this morning that would begin to look at uh, the Gospel of John, and I'm calling it Journey with Jesus. The Gospel of John is interesting. There's 21 chapters that cover the life of Christ. Almost one half of the book of John, the Gospel of John, has to do with the last week in Jesus' life. And so that's what we're going to look at for the next five Sundays as we lead up to Resurrection Sunday. I want you to join me with a journey on Jesus as we walk with him through the last week of his earthly life and ministry. And so we're going to start in John chapter 12, uh, but uh, we're actually going to look at a little bit of context and background setting up John chapter 12 by thinking about John chapter 11. John chapter 11, that really sets the context for John chapter 12. So if we're familiar with the Gospel of John, Jesus worked seven miracles that are recorded in the Gospel of John. He did a lot more than that, but he did seven miracles. And one of the miracles that's recorded in John chapter 11 is uh, perhaps one of his most well-known ones, Raising Lazarus from the dead. And so let me just kind of review the story and set it in, in context that uh, it says Jesus is with his disciples and uh, the John chapter 11 says that uh, Lazarus is sick and Mary and Martha send word to Jesus to come to Bethany to see them because Lazarus is sick. And when you read through John chapter 11, Jesus does something very strange. Instead of rushing to Bethany, he waits. He waits a couple days. 
rather than going straight to Bethany. Now, as a pastor, if, when I get a phone call and, and, um, and saying that uh, my loved one's very sick, would you come visit them? I go immediately. I go immediately. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus delayed for a few days, and there was a purpose. And we can learn from that, too. When we experience delay in our lives, which we all do, <laughs> and God delays, there's a purpose behind it. And so Jesus finally gets there, but he doesn't get there till after Lazarus has died. And it's been four days now since Lazarus has been dead. So Jesus knew what he was going to do, and maybe one of the reasons that he delayed is that the, the Jews uh, thought when a person died that their spirit hovered uh, over them for three days and then went to heaven. Maybe Jesus waited to the fourth day because he wanted to convince the Jews that Lazarus was really dead. And so you know the story that Jesus comes and Jesus weeps by the graveside of Lazarus. And then he says, take the stone away. And he prays. And then he says these three words, Lazarus, come forth. How would you like to have been there? <laughs> and up out of this grave walks Lazarus, bound in that linen cloth. And, uh, and Jesus says, uh, unbind him. And here's this great, great uh, miracle that Jesus did. Uh, great for everybody else. Uh, I'm thinking not too great for Lazarus, huh? Lazarus had to come back, and Lazarus had to die twice. Well, that's, that's the context, but what I want us to see, what happened after that miracle, and let me read for you John eleven forty five through 48. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. That's why Jesus did miracles, to prove that he was the Son of God. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. They had an emergency meeting of the Supreme Court. The 70 religious leaders in, in Israel, the highest court in the land. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Verse 53 so from that day on, they plotted to take his life. The raising of Lazarus from the dead was like the last straw. <laughs> and people are flocking to believe in Jesus. And now the religious elite says, that's it. We're going to take him out. From that day on, we're going to look for an opportunity to kill Jesus. Verse 54 Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. So what does Jesus do? He leaves, he leaves Bethany. He goes 20 miles north to a town called Ephraim, and he's kind of laying low because they're out to get him. He's a, he's a marked man. Now, if Jesus' goal in his life was to preserve his own life, he would have probably never gone back to Bethany in Jerusalem. Bethany's two miles from Jerusalem. But as we read John chapter 12, we see that he's back in, in Bethany. And so let's look at this story, uh, and we're going to look at our outline. First of all, the place. 
Six days before the Passover. So there's the timeline. This is, this is Saturday. This is six days before Jesus is going to the cross. It says six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. He comes back to Bethany, close to Jerusalem. John says, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Probably about a month has passed in the timeline between Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead and and coming back to, to, to Bethany. Well, why is Jesus at Bethany? Verse 2 tells us there's a party there. And he's the guest of honor. Look at verse 2. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Wouldn't you have liked to have been at, at that dinner party? Not only was Jesus there, but I would like to have been sitting next to Lazarus. <laughs> That'd have been a very interesting conversation, wouldn't it? He's already been dead and he's been come back to life. So Jesus is there because someone is giving him a party. Now, this story is repeated in a couple of the other Gospels, and if we go to Matthew chapter uh, 26, verse 6, the parallel passage, we discover that this party is at the home of a man named Simon the leper. Simon the leper. We don't know a whole lot about Simon the leper. Michael Card, in his commentary on the Gospel of John, writes, Who is Simon? All we can do is guess at this point, since there are no other details provided about Simon's life. Perhaps, here's a pretty good speculation, sanctified speculation, perhaps Simon had been healed by Jesus. Otherwise, they would hardly be having a party at his home. There was a leper colony just outside the village of Bethany. The party might have been a celebration of his healing. Well, that's a, that's a good sanctified speculation. We don't know for sure. But they're having this celebration, and Jesus is the honored guest. So he comes from Ephraim down to Bethany in, to attend the celebration that Simon has planned for him. And in the midst of that celebration, in the midst of that party honoring Jesus, something dramatic happens. So dramatic that we're going to read about it this morning and other Gospels say that this event that took place has been memorialized in Scripture for 2,000 years. We've been reading about what happened during that dinner. So let's look at, to stay with our alliterative outline, the place, the party, the perfume, the perfume. And you, most of you know this, this story. Then Mary, so Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Jesus' close friends. Uh, it's interesting when you read about Mary in the New Testament, she's mentioned by name three times. Every time she's at the feet of Jesus. Every time she's mentioned, she's at the feet of Jesus. And so what does Mary do? It says, then Mary took about a pint, 12 ounces, of pure nard, an expensive perfume. Okay, so let's think about uh, this pure nard. Some uh, other parallel passages use the word spike nard. It was a uh, rosy-colored, sweet-smelling perfume from the mountainous region of India. 
So it, it wasn't from localized there in, in Israel. It had to be imported. It was very rare. It was very, very expensive, as we're going to see a little bit later. What does Mary do? Mary took, takes this pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She pours it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. One commentator writes, Mary took the most honored part of her body, her hair, and used it to clean and anoint the lowliest and dirtiest part of Jesus' body, the feet, especially in that culture where they're walking with sandals on dirt roads. The place, the party, the perfume, and this act of sacrificial worship got the attention of everybody there, and the, the, the aroma filled the whole house. So let's look at the people's objection. The people's objection. Verse 4, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, notice John, John uh, puts the commentary in, who was later to betray him. He's soon ready to turn Jesus in, knife him in the back, so to speak. Objected. So when Judas saw this, he had a problem with it. And we've called this the people's objection because in the parallel passage, and I'm just going to turn there real quickly to Matthew chapter 26, verses 8 and 9. Not only did Judas object and have a problem with this, but Matthew records, so did all the rest of the disciples. Matthew 26, verses 8 and 9 um, when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. Why are you wasting this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet? And Judas had the same objection. But one of his disciples, Matthew, John twelve four, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Judas has his calculator out and like, this was a lot of money. Do you know the money that that could have done and the difference it could have made in other people's lives? We should have been given to the poor. Now, the NIV uses the phrase a year's wages. If you have a King James Version, another translation, it might say 300 denarii. And so a denarii was a Roman coin, a little larger than a quarter, with an inscription of Caesar on it. It was equal to one day's wages. One day's wages. So this 300 denarii is 300 days' wages. Basically a year's salary. Now, I don't know what the average salary would be in the United States today. I, I did do a little Googling and looking it up. And so maybe an average salary is $50,000, $60,000 today. 12 ounces of perfume. This is very expensive perfume. If a year's wages is equal to $60,000, this is $5,000 an ounce. <laughs> 
And the disciples and Judas are objecting. This should have been given to the poor. The Moody Commentary says during Passover, it was customary for affluent Jews to give financial help to the poor. Judas and all the rest of the disciples said, what a waste. Now, John reveals the true motive of Judas Iscariot's objection in verse 6. John says, Judas Iscariot did not say this because he cared about the poor. That's what he said. Very pious thing to say. But because he was a thief, as a keeper of the money bag, he used it to help himself to what was put into it. Judas Iscariot was embezzling funds from the money bag. And so uh, how did Jesus and his disciples um, live for three years and minister? They had people that supported him. They had people that gave money to the, the ministry. And obviously, Judas Iscariot was the treasure. He was the keeper of the money bag, and he was helping himself to it. And so that's why he objects. He used to help himself to what was put in it. Well, look at the pronouncement by Jesus um, in verses uh, 7 through 11 as we kind of conclude this passage. What's Jesus say here in the Gospel of John? Leave her alone, he says. Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. The parallel passage in Matthew 26 adds that Jesus also said, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing for me. And so Jesus takes them to task. What the disciples viewed as waste, Jesus viewed as a sacrificial act of worship. Leave her alone. Now, this was not a spur-of-the-moment thing that, that Mary did. This was planned and calculated. After all, this party's not at her house. It's the house of Simon the leper. She would have had to plan this out, didn't she? She would have had to, to think about this, and perhaps she was one of the few that knew, that realized that Jesus was going to die soon. He told the disciples that over and over, and they didn't quite get it. Maybe Mary got it. And so she, she thought about this, and she, this was calculated, and she brought that precious, expensive perfume to offer to Jesus. Well, the rest of the story, uh, verses 9 through 11, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus. Word had spread. People wanted to see this man for himself who was dead and is now alive. Listen to this, verse 10. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Here are the religious leaders. Have they forgotten Exodus 20, verse 6? Thou shalt not kill. Didn't 